1: Welcome, folks, to another inspiring episode of Biblical Citizen Let's Roll. Really looking forward to today. We always deal with major issues, and today it's free enterprise versus socialism. This is a battleground that has been fought for many years around the world, but not till recently on our own shores. We're going to be interviewing a thought leader, an educator, who's actually lived under communism and knows what he's talking about. Zilvenas Silenis is president of fee the Foundation for economic education based in Atlanta. He was born in Lithuania in the former Soviet Union and as a child he experienced life under rigid communism. We're going to get that get to that a little bit later He's currently president of fee a 70 plus year old institution which educates citizens on the history of and the benefits of free markets. Mr. Salenis previously served as president of the Lithuanian Free Market Institute, bringing the organization and the free market reform message to the forefront of Lithuanian public discourse. He holds two degrees in economics, and by the way, he prefers to go by the name Z.
2: Welcome today, Z. You there? Thank you, thank
3: you guys for having me.
2: Oh, it's such an honor to have you. You know, we have been familiar with your organization, the Foundation for Economic Education, for a number of years. We actually took classes in your institute back when it was in New York, when we lived in Delaware, and that was 2001. And your ideas inspired me so much that I actually wrote an article, and, and, and it was published in the Ideas on Liberty. Uh, so you educate people, you tell them the benefits of free markets, and so tell us more about what's going on with FEE today.
3: Well, pretty much the same thing, just bigger and better. Right now, we Yay. concentrate on, on reaching uh, pretty much 16 to 22-year-olds, so we're basically fees in the high schools. So we send our professors to high schools. This year alone, we had about 15,000 students in high schools, mostly public, uh, hearing fees message and having fee professors telling students for five hours why free market works, why free market is better than government and why government is not a solution. So that's one part of what we do. And another part of so that's what we call fee in the classroom. Another part of what we do, we have an excellent online presence, we have videos, we have social media, we have a website. Our videos are basically seen, uh, each video is seen at least a couple of million times. And once again, that's introducing free market concepts to, to teenagers, to young people. Uh, we're basically, we're getting them before they go to college.
2: Oh, that is excellent because they're getting the other message from their public schools so much. Uh, but. Let's just start with some basics. How do you define socialism? And that word is bandied around so much and it's changed over time and there's different strains and there's progressivism, which is pretty much the same thing. But there, I mean, there's so, so how do you define socialism, cultural Marxism, you know, and what's the tie that most of those things have that, that are in common and why do we not want to have
3: those? Well, obviously, there are many definitions out there. My working definition. Definition is the more control government has over your life, the more to socialism, the more freedom each person has to choose and do what he wants with his life, of his property, with his uh, family. That's sort of that's capitalism or free market. Uh, and I think if you look at a sort of that working definition of socialism, you know, does who owns the factory? Is it is it the, is it the people or is it private citizens? Is it businesses or is it the government? That would be one thing. Uh, who gets your paycheck or who gets most of your paycheck? Is it you? Can you spend the money that you earn on what you think is necessary for you and your family? Or does the government, how large is a part does the government take of your paycheck and decide for you? So basically, the more the government control, the more the socialism, the more the, your and your family's control, the more it is capitalism. Uh, And I think is sort of the way, if if you look at what socialists, progressive leftists, call call them whatever, what they want to do is they want to take power away from individuals and families and give it to the government. That's my very broad view of of viewing what socialism is. And if you look at Soviet Union or or any of the other countries which implemented socialism, well, that was exactly that. All factories, all means of production belong to the state and the government. You as a citizen have very little control over your life. Government interferes and intervenes in everything. Um, And that's more or less socialism
2: and you're basically
1: think, a slave. Yeah, that's a good that's a good definition. I think that's a good working definition and and to build off of that, I know there's a lot of people on the left that refuse to compare what they want to do to the Soviet Union where you grew up and they really refuse to any reference to Venezuela today where people many people don't even have enough food to survive and yet Venezuela prior to socialism was the most prosperous country in Latin America. So they like to compare to places. I want to ask you about places like Sweden and Denmark, which claim to give all these free healthcare, free college, uh, but they still have a lot of government control, don't they? Do let me ask you first of all: Do you consider Sweden and Denmark to
3: be socialist countries? No, and Swedes and Danes themselves do not do not consider themselves socialist. In fact, the American left, they don't know what they're talking about when they, then they, they talk about Soviet Union, nor do they know what they're talking about when it comes to Denmark. The prime minister of Denmark, I think, five years ago, when this whole Bernie Sanders rhetoric was gathering pace uh, that you know, apparently Denmark or Sweden are socialist countries, he actually plainly and uh, openly said, We are not a socialist country, we're a market economy. A, a, a Prime Minister of Denmark, so I mean, he knows what he's talking about. The point is that the left doesn 't listen; they think they know better, they think they know better than the Danes what Denmark is like, and they think they know better than people who live in the Soviet Union, what socialism is like
1: yeah i think I think that's a good point because um i've as a, the more i've studied about some of these countries, even though they have uh, the nationalized health care, which can be a real problem, when you look at their actual market economy, they're more deregulated than we are we're in other words, we're more regulated right now. Than some of these countries that the left thinks are good uh, socialist role models. I want right, to ask right, you, right. yeah, I want to ask you a different. This is a, this is a biblical citizen show. It's a Christian Christian viewer based show. So I want to talk about the fact that some on the left, and yes, some people that consider themselves Christians, they think that socialism is more compassionate. They think it's even more Christian than free market systems, which I think's kind of insane, but. Some people really do believe that. So just this year, I noticed uh, Fee published a book on this. I believe it was called Was Jesus a Socialist? I I haven't been able to get that book quite yet, but could you tell us a little bit about that book?
3: Well, let me sort of make an intro. Okay. A little bit uh, from your first question, like, is socialism and Christianity compatible Well, I think that nonsense idea was started, I think, by Gorbachev back after the Soviet Union collapsed. I think in one of his interviews he quipped that Jesus was the first socialist. Uh, I don't buy it, Uh, and if you ever want to see how Christianity or religion in general and socialism is is incompatible, just see what socialism did to religion. I mean, if you look at what happened to religion in Soviet Union, it was pretty much eradicated. It was declared an enemy of the state the churches what turned into stables and granaries or worse or demolished so anyone who somehow comes out and says that you know these two forces in practice can coexist i would say once again let's look at real world experience find me a socialist or a communist country be it Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, or Soviet Union, in which uh, Christianity and the dominant ideology of socialism have coexisted. They can; they do not coexist. As when socialists take over, they eradicate religion because they don't need competition. They have socialism as religion. Right. So, and the
2: very foundations of it are just incompatible. Like you say, the socialism goes against the Ten Commandments. For heaven's sake, it it it, right. it, it violates the human rights that in uh, inalienable rights that we have. It takes away all our freedoms it, it doesn't allow free contracts
1: and not only uh, that it, it,
2: it squashes god i mean yeah
1: yeah it's and,
2: just so it's blasphemous for uh anybody to say that jesus was a socialist that's to me it just right. is is just outrageous
1: and i i just want to make a another point is that the emphasis of socialism on the collective has nothing to do with the bible or christianity where each individual is created by god and of course socialists hate that concept, because if you believe each individual was created by God, then you've got to look at individual rights and not everything in terms of the collective, isn't that? That's kind of more on the philosophical level, but I think that's the core of it. Right, and
2: that's kind of what we're experiencing now. Morality is based on the collective, what's supposed to be the common good. Well, it it that does not honor the foundational idea that we are created, created in the image of God, and individual rights
3: matter. So, so. and to your second point, so our uh, long-term president now, President Emeritus, uh, Larry Reed, oh, he's an excellent book, a kind of mental defense of, about the idea that uh, Jesus was a socialist. So he has a collection of all these basic, all these arguments and counter-arguments put into one very easy-to-read book. Uh, so he, it, it's an excellent book. I definitely recommend it. It's called Was Jesus is a Socialist. And Brian and Kathleen, I, I asked my, I, the, those books are on the, on the way to you, uh, for, so you can read it and promote it to your readers. But it's, I would recommend that book, and he does a much better job than I would ever do in explaining this. But he takes each and every one of these kind of myths that people, that socialists use in trying to, in trying to persuade people that Jesus was a socialist and explains how it ain't so.
2: Well, and they always start with the idea that it's more compassionate. But last week we talked about the the pilgrims and how they did an experiment with communal farming, and they, they were committed Christians that tried this out. It was not more compassionate. It was not fair. It resulted in much diminished food production and a lot of dissension among the ranks and resentments. When they divided up the communal farm into into private ownership of family farms then the the production went up it worked well It tripled yes it
1: it tripled in one year so we see that that the
2: experiment we've seen it over and over and over that it just doesn't work it's not compatible with human nature so we're going to take a break now and talk about your life in the soviet union uh z when we come back and uh what it was really like and some other interesting aspects of this whole topic
0: There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts,
1: Kathleen and Brian Melinakis on K-Praise. We're speaking with the president of the Foundation for Economic Education, Z, you spent your earliest years, earliest childhood years, in Lithuania, which was part of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, a world power but also a totalitarian state. Can you share with us maybe a couple memories that you have about growing up in that system?
3: <laughs> uh, it was a weird system. Like, one thing that probably you, you know about is... Uh, there was a lack of and, and a shortage of basic products. For instance, mayonnaise was a thing that you could only get for holidays if you're lucky. For instance, there was no mayonnaise for some reason. And uh, so there were lines, uh, everything you... If you wanted to get anything, would it be shoes or a coat or mayonnaise, you'd basically have to wait in a very long line. So, for instance, if you, you would be working, people would be, let's say, mothers would be returning from their work. They would see a line... They would join a line without even knowing what's being sold because they knew if there is a line, that must be something good, right? <laughs> if you want, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> We've jump only had in, a little bit jump, of that. Jump, with,
1: jump in line, yep. With that's, that's, shortage I, of toilet paper recently. I, yeah. Nobody yeah. hates lines more than me. That would be a deal breaker for me right there.
3: Well, listen to this. If you wanted to buy a TV, you had to wait in line for two years.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. So
3: if you're yeah. lucky after two years will be a raffle and perhaps you'll get a permission to buy a TV. And
1: then, and then maybe never- and then maybe the programs on the T V aren't that interesting either. Isn't that pretty censored and restricted?
3: <laughs> well of course. Of course. But and you'd have to drop something like three or four months of wages for an inferior Soviet TV. So there was no, no goods. The goods that were existing were of very short equality and were, they, they were ridiculously expensive. So whenever, once again, whenever people start carping about how, well, maybe people had less, but it was more equal, that's nonsense. If you want to look at most unequal countries, look at socialist countries existing or past. In terms of inequality was huge inequality in the Soviet Union. The, 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 the gap between the haves and the have-nots was much larger than it is right now. Basically, the haves, the connected people, the corrupted people, the party people, they had everything. They had cars, they had drivers, they had uh, sort of uh, dachas and villas in which to retreat to. And common folk, they were stuck in uh, very small apartments, very poor services on all apartments at all. For instance, my family, three people, people—we, I grew up in an apartment one room apartment. Now, when I say one room apartment, it doesn't mean one bedroom apartment. It literally means one room with a kitchen, one small room, and a very small lavatory. And we have three three people uh, three people living there. So whenever people start once again start saying that, well, maybe you know we sacrifice some of our current prosperity, we go into socialism, and you know everyone's more equal. No, you're only equal in misery. Uh, there was no good life in, under socialism.
2: It uh, always creates a two tiered system. They wipe out the middle class, so then there's the super rich and the super poor and nobody in between. Isn't all, that true? All based
1: on party, Just, party credentials or party uh, whatever, yeah.
3: Right, right. So that's one memory. My second memory is uh, from uh, May the 1st, 1986, and I'll, I'll I'll let you know why this date is very important. So on May the 1st, uh, that's like the International Workers' Day, everyone was required to participate in a sort of these large street parades where you're, basically you're, you're, you're supposed to march on the street and basically shout hooray to the Soviet Socialist Republic and things like that. Well, my yeah. parents were not communists. They, they hated communism. So it was a day off, so me and my parents were a sunbathing near a local lake. So basically we're skipping the parades and, and doing some sunbathing. Uh, but why the reason why May the first is important is because on April 26th, uh, 1986 that was when chernobyl nuclear power plant exploded oh man and, and no one told us no one told the people I And mean, as five days afterwards no one told the people that there is a r- radiation danger so we didn't know so we were <sighs> embedding it was only later than radiation reached that uh, reached sweden and basically the western countries and actually soviets admitted that something is wrong so once again if someone wants to call socialism compassionate well you know having a nuclear catastrophe having nuclear fallout and not telling your people about it well that's uh if someone wants to argue that's compassion i don't even know how to argue with
1: them not not compassion and not uh not envi- environmentalists that are attracted to the left that's another thing that i shake my head over let's bring this back now to the united states so until recently socialism has not been a big socialists have not been a big political party it's been it's been a bad label to be called a socialist but now i think it started with bernie sanders aoc but there's a lot of others too that the democratic party seems to have been transformed into a dem- so-called democratic socialist party if you look at the let me ask you just a little bit about the democratic party here in the united states uh how alarming do you find their platform or what they're advocating or any any comments you want to make about today's democratic party
3: well I think there are very reasonable people in the Democratic Party that uh, condemn the far left of the Democratic Party. And then there is a far left of the Democratic Party that uh, revel in their admiration of socialism. So I, I wouldn't see the, the Democratic Party as one homogenous bloc. I think, I think they have people who disagree there. So I mean the argument between center left and center right, uh, even though of course I'm on the right side of the spectrum, I can understand that argument. I think the, I think those two center right of United States and center left of United States, I think I think these people can work together. Now, but if you get far left that want to basically destroy United States or destroy their current system and build some sort of utopia, uh, those are just incompatible with anything. Yeah, and, and there's,
2: there's a lot of. People masquerading as centrists that really are Marxist at heart too. That we, you know, you have to be really careful of that. Isn't that true?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's. Uh, uh, I mean, I think. I think it's. If if there was one label in which people should feel bad about, that's being called a socialist. Now, yep. especially there are, you know there are, there are people. Okay, so there are people who don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, they're perhaps a little bit ignorant. Maybe they don't know what socialism is. Well, maybe we can give them a, a pass and say, you know, right. well, now, that I told you, well, now that I told you what socialism is, now that I told you about the horrors of Soviet Union, do you still think that socialism is a great idea? And maybe, many people will say, well, maybe not. But then there are people like Bernie Sanders who actually went, well, visited Soviet Union on his own volition, liked what he saw, he knows what happened. what's happened during Soviet Union years, and he still refuses to condemn it. He still refuses to condemn Cuba. Now that is a that is a person whom I had a problem with.
1: Yeah, that's a died-in-the-wool socialist, and I don't think so much a Democrat as a socialist. I want to. Yeah. One thing we've talked, uh, shifting uh, gears a little bit again. We've talked about this a lot in the past on our show, is the whole COVID lockdown and. A, a range of people our own governor Gavin Newsom the uh noted actress Jane Fonda others have said that this has been good for the progressive left agenda in other words putting all these hundreds of thousands of small businesses out of business shutting down churches forbidding public meetings i mean to some people it seems like if you had a plan to advance a socialist agenda you couldn't have a better you couldn't have done a better job than what's being done under the COVID lockdowns? Do you do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Yes, I agree with you. I would expand your thought on uh, what they're trying to do is basically forcing people to stay at home and then giving them money and perhaps even more money than they would have earned in their workplace. So what they they're sending a message of look, you can have money without working, and that I think is is uh, that's basically destroying the economic fabric as it is. Now, hopefully and luckily, uh, people still understand that this cannot go on forever. I hope that people would understand that if we continue giving people $600 per week, and that's more than they're earning in their current job, that very few people would actually want to return to a job. And I hope that people understand that this cannot continue forever. You cannot keep on borrowing or printing money forever without incurring consequences. But I think you're right. If you want to subject people to a weird sort of experiment, if you want a to basically destabilize a country, then yes, tell people to stay at home, give them money, and tell them that this can continue forever.
2: Right, and, and it, it just it. is not sustainable, and it's it seems it's a design. It seems to me. Uh, so, in the time we have left, let's talk about the educational system, how you are, <clears throat> excuse me, going into the high schools. That's fabulous, uh, and how the young people need to hear this message, and how can our listeners help to further that cause? You know, how can they help FEE? How can they, how can they get involved? How can they support mm-hmm. you?
3: So I'm a, I used to be a high school teacher myself. So, you know, there are, there are many of us with educational experience here at FEE, so we know what we're doing. Uh, we know what we're doing. We know how to talk to high schoolers. We know how to talk to teachers. So far, the response has been stellar. Let's say this year we did 200 high schools. We didn't receive a single bad review and we basically get invited back. So, Can people we, we'll call
2: get, you and have a speaker come to their high school?
3: And this is what, exactly, exact, and this is where your your listeners could get in touch with us. So go to C.org, explore our page a little bit, but if you want to request a speaker in your school, let us know. Get in touch with us. We'll do that. we either going to do it the person's going to come there physically, or if, uh, if COVID restrictions are still in place, we have webinars, we have means of basically delivering, delivering feed message to, to your high school uh, with, uh, by the means of the internet. If you have friendly teachers, let us know. We have a whole website built out for, teach- for materials that teachers can use in their classrooms. So let's say uh-huh. you're teaching economics or social science or history. We have videos, we have quizzes, uh, we have texts, we have materials and classroom activities you can share with your, with your students. And all of them are kind of, you know, they present economics, history, worldview through fee's perspective. They're, that very, is... they're very high quality, very easy to use. If you want to get involved, go to org, like Foundation foundationforeconomiceducation.org, and uh, find us there.
2: Excellent. So the education's out there, our listeners, uh, you can get involved and we encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for being with us, Z.
1: It's been great. Really appreciate it. Look forward to talking with you
3: again. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Brian. And uh, thank you for having me.
2: Next time. To bless your neighbor this week, consider joining Fee. Make a gift membership to a young person in your life. Maybe call a speaker to come and speak at the high school or get in touch with their resources. Seek opportunities to communicate that socialist systems create dependent slaves while a market economy supports small businesses, free agreements between free parties entrepreneurship and God given rights thank you so much for being with us today
0: Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the Biblical Citizen. To learn more about this show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen Let's Roll on K Praise.